2: Okay, I'm recording.
3: Hello, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to the John and Lee show. Um, This evening... All right, hold on. I'm having issues. I'm going to stop. Okay, stop it. All right, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well this evening. Welcome to the John and Lee show. How are you doing this evening, Lee? you doing well?
1: I am doing great. Very honored to have William on with us tonight. How are you?
3: Doing good. Yes, we're going to interview William Ramsey. I've been following uh, William's work uh, for a very long time. It's been about probably about three and a half years, three years, Uh, somewhere around there when I started listening to uh, William Ramsey Investigates. Um, um, Also, um, I have reached out with William and we shared research too as well. Um, Very welcome to have you on
2: here this evening. William, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, both uh, John and Lee. It's great to be with you.
3: Yes. Um, so, I mean, your body of work and what you've researched and what you've brought forth is very extensive. You know, from the West Memphis Three, your work on Aleister Crowley, your work on the Smiley Face Killers. Um, where would you like to begin? Would you like to begin with Crowley? Would you like to begin with West Memphis Three?
2: You can go where would you- However far back you want to go, we can go back to my time in D.C. We can talk about Vince Foster and how That was kind of my moment of, of, you know, discounting much of the stuff in the media. But uh, that was what, 1995, 96. I was in D.C. and worked on kind of in a very, uh, you know, minuscule fashion on the Vince Foster case for Mm -hmm. an attorney by the name of John Clark. So I met Patrick Knowlton, who was known as one of these people who was at Fort Marcy Park and saw some suspicious stuff he was included in the star report um, and stuff like that. So, and that was mostly written by, well, stars chief assistant was Brett Kavanaugh who made it to the Supreme court recently, but uh, yes, the, if you want to have a really bad day, go read the footnotes to the star report, because Kavanaugh included some very lurid details in there that the public doesn't know, but that also kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things that were going on. So I would say I was much more, used to parapolitics or conspiratorial events, maybe than other people who were spoon fed information from the corporate media. So that was really the start of it. And kind of, I was a researcher into nine 11, you know, I was just an independent researcher. So Mm -hmm. once you have that mindset that what you're being force fed from the mocking word media is not, doesn't have the veracity necessary. You kind of just start reading on your own, or at least I did. So that kind of led me to 9-11 which led me to Crowley and then a really kind of an independent research into Crowley which led to my first book Prophet of Evil and that also kind of countered a lot of uh, less than honest narratives about Crowley and yes. uh, which led me to the West Memphis Three book because people weren't talking about the occult and, rel- and still aren't really it's kind of like a verboten to even suggest that occultism was involved in the West Memphis three in any way, shape or form that event that, which is a really a saga and a very well-known true crime event in American history. And I'd say most people have a, uh, incorrect, uh, conclusions or understanding of that case, which is why I wrote my book, my second book, which is abomination. And then I wrote yes. children of the beast, which was really trying to trace. It was kind of an idiosyncratic, uh, really attempt to kind of trace Crowley. A lot of people didn't think Crowley was that influential. I think that my book shows that he really was culturally and politically. And, you know, I've made five documentaries on Vimeo under William Ramsey investigates mainly on the subjects uh, aforementioned Crowley in the West, not the West Memphis three, but occult Hollywood, which I did 10 years ago. And I redid that recently. But also I did two documentaries on what's known as the smiley face killers, which is this phenomenon of young men being out at night, disappearing, being found in water. Nobody sees them go in water. Nobody knows if they're distressed, but they're found later. Sometimes a very later date, 40 days. And uh, it is a pattern that, you know, the national, um, the national law enforcement really doesn't seem to want to acknowledge. And there's a lot of strange reasons for that. So that's basically the long and short of kind of my research arc.
3: So, William, um, with Patrick Knowlton, um, I think I've heard his um, him talk about his story and everything that he had been through, as far as Vince Foster and and Brett Kavanaugh. Um, it is my belief that Brett Kavanaugh um, has, you know, some connections to. Uh, the Clintons as far as it's my belief that Kavanaugh with Starr kind of torpedoed more information about Foster coming to light to the American public. Would that be an accurate statement? Do you believe?
2: I think that they were, they were not interested looking at Vince Foster to come to conclusion that countered anything else that was said. So it wasn't really their impetus. It wasn't their focused not, you know, the crux of their insight. I think they were really looking at Vince Foster in the context of Clinton. So I didn't, I think they're very political. I think that uh, Starr and Kavanaugh really knew kind of what the stakes were. They were both on the, on the right still are. But um, so I, I think that, you know, it's very delicate. And I think that they, you know, considering your career, not a lot of people would be willing to come out and say Vince Foster was murdered. I, Hundred percent convinced he was murdered. He was not. Yeah. He didn't walk out to the park. If you go out to Vin- Fort Marcy Park, is a old Civil War fort. It's uh, it was known as a cruising site as well back in those days. Uh, it was off the uh, it was off this parkway, and it was outside of D.C. It's very strange, and we you know, I man, the details of that are are you can read about it in the Clark uh, addendum to the Star report. That was the lawyer that I worked for back in 1996. But Knowlton, yeah, I think that Ed Opperman's uh, uh, interviewed him a couple times on various mm-hmm. varying subjects. And also he's had John Clark on. So um, people want to reference that on Opperman. But yeah, that, that's, uh, but I think you, you're quite your, you know, basic, the impetus of your statement is right. They, I don't think they were really willing to actually say that, uh, Vince Foster was murdered. However, the district court, uh, the federal district court in D.C., it's a three man uh, yes. body, and that was actually involved in the current Flynn case. They reviewed it, was appealed to them, the review from the lower court. But that three man ca- case took John Clark's uh, compile and, and added it to the Star Report. So, this whole other file that was made kind of just by a, you know, a, really a local lawyer. That was, and it was added on as an addendum to the Star Report. And all that information was about Knowlton, Knowlton signed, Knowlton working for the FBI. The day after Vince Foster was murdered, the head of the FBI was switched out. So, yeah, the, yeah so there's all kinds of suspicious things going on. There's all kinds of problems, and the details of which I, got, I suppose we could go into here. But Vince Foster. The
3: reason why I'm asking is because, you know, Knowlton kind of made it known in his interviews that he believes that Kavanaugh. Kind of blew it. And that's why I'm asking if you think that's a possibility because Kavanaugh is a Supreme Court justice. It's something that even has been on the Drudge Report. He's ruled quite frequently with the liberal justices, um, right. more often than Gorsuch. So you're kind of like, well, why would that be? Right. And so that was my kind of working theory. It's not 100% that I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Ken Starr would later, you know, we, of course, be both him and Brett Kavanaugh would work for. Kirkland and Ellis and uh, Ken Starr um I believe I have to look but wouldn't he go on to be a lawyer for Jeffrey Epstein
2: yes yeah he was involved in the 2007-2008 case with uh, Dershowitz and Black who was a very well-known Florida defense attorney so um Epstein had the best of the best including Starr yes. nobody really yes. asked, asked him those questions uh on the national media interestingly enough but um as far as as Kavanaugh sandbagging it or being a limited hangout on vince foster like i said i think that the star report was obviously hyper politicized super political Mm -hmm. and i think that they were cognizant of that the independent Counsel at that time you know i think that they were really just looking into one thing what was bill clinton up to did he lie about his relationship with monica lewinsky and yeah i mean i think that 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 was their conclusion is that he obfuscated the truth which is why he was impeached. I think he was impeached in the House, but not in the Senate.
3: Yes. Um, and it was by perjury, um, which was the, which was brought upon. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I always look at Starr very skeptically myself because there are many things that they could have gone o- over. And some people say, well, it was because Star was pressured. He was scared. I don't know. I mean, they could have, you know, done more investigation into Whitewater, for example, or media yes. Arkansas or, yeah, no or any of those things, you know, and right. I, that's why I wanted to ask you, because, you know, because you have your knowledge of it and everything. If, if maybe I was a little bit off base with some of my questions,
2: you know, and like and, I said, like the independent council, even Mueller report and all these independent councils that have been put out very political, mm-hmm. uh, very focused on kind of narrow, speci- specific, specific, Type information at least that's the way it was back in the star. So I don't there was tons of problems with Whitewater, that was a huge cover up. There was all kinds of people I can't remember the other guy who died in jail, but there was a bunch of knowledge about that. That uh, I mean, there was basically all kinds of fraud going on in Arkansas at the time money laundering back in the 80s and 90s, um, men uh, rotting right. And there was the Arkansas Development Fund that there was being used as a slush fund. There was just all kinds of dead bodies and stuff like that so uh, i think it's i think it's about a uh, james mcdougall i think mcdougall yeah that was the guy who died in jail so there was all there was a huge cover-up regarding that and the clintons kind of came out uh, somewhat scot-free at the end
1: you know so yeah were there, were there connections with whitey bugler there as well
2: not to my knowledge i don't remember Whitey bulger popping up in anything with uh, the clintons at all but there was always old stories of um, you know, Dixie Mafia. You have this guy, Dan Lasseter.
1: Right, right, right. You're okay. That's my mistake. Right. Go on, guys.
2: But I'm just, there was this guy, Dan Lasseter, who got busted uh, for coke, you know, and Co- Clinton was a known cokehead. There's a really good book on the subject that really, according to the national media, was never written, but it's called Partners in Power by Roger Morris. Yeah. So if you really want to read a good book of their, of the ascent of the clintons partners and powers very worthwhile reading. by a very sophisticated academic actually he worked for henry kissinger and uh i think that in some ways that basically you know was his door out of any power politics when he really exposed the clinton's for all of their shenanigans which they are numerous <laughs> right, they so, definitely are numerous yeah roger morse is very sophisticated that book there it is i mean it's a it's a very sizable book uh you know 500 pages but uh I definitely would would recommend that book to people see what was going back then but I you know I think that uh it's interesting to see their relationship because I really think that Hillary, Hillary Clinton was I mean people other people said this but she was the brains behind the whole th- operation yes. calculator yes. so and I Did think you that you yeah, sorry no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I think that really she had her arc was really what her mind was set on was to become president. Yes, I think that that was their relationship. She was going to help him. He was going to let her help him as he became thing, and then that trade was eventually going to happen, and and uh, was supposed to happen in 2016 for them, and that would be the kind of continuation or continuum of Bush to Clinton to Bush to Clinton, really. Well, it was supposed to be Clinton in 2008, right? And then it became Obama. Yes. And then
3: there was a CFR meeting that they had where Obama said, you know, they pretty much said you're going to become president and Hillary Clinton is going to become secretary of state. Um, Do you see a common thing with Michelle, my belle Obama, that uh, she's likely to probably run for president in 2024? I don't Uh, know. I don't believe that Trump's likely to win,
2: so. I don't know. I think Trump is probably going to win this year. Um, I don't really know what's going on in the future, but I do think it's a kind of a power vacuum because it, well, there were the kind of set pieces on both the democratic and Republican side of people who were mm-hmm. going to be leaders, whether it's the Bush family or the Clinton dynasty, really dynastic. But um, as far as 2024, I think that that's a open question. I think there's a lot of opportunities, but I don't, I don't, I'm not willing to speculate. I don't even know who's on the, the wings. I don't know if any of the people who, were in the uh, the democratic uh field for this year would really come back strong in 2024 i'm
3: not sure yeah i've seen instances of them trying to push michelle obama uh, there's
2: been numerous articles about
3: it um i thought you know i actually thought biden was going to be replaced by hillary clinton so you I. know because of all the plastic surgery that she's had and it just seemed like they were setting up for that right it was going to be uh you know ali versus Frazier, too right you know trump versus clinton too and, uh, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I'm, I'm still going to say, it, you know, you don't know until election night. <laughs> you you know don't, I mean? but I,
2: I got to tell you, man, it's pretty surprising that they put Biden up as their front runner uh, because he's in the same position she was in 2016. Both in 2016 and 2020, they put proffered candidates who literally have brain problems. They literally yeah. have problems with their brain, and uh, she had had a fall and a, and uh, some kind of blockage on one of her major arteries to her brain and he has had an aneurysm so yes. and clearly showing signs of dementia or alzheimer's or something like that so it's really incredible to see the most powerful country at least as far as we know i don't know how china where they've overlapped us or overcome us but to see this happening in the most powerful country in the world it's incredible
3: yeah you're right and just i don't see how biden is going to debate trump you know, it. I don't know how much amphetamines and vitamin cocktail and minerals that they can give him to keep him up there to be able to do it. I mean, you know, Trump said today that they should drug test Biden before uh, the uh, before the um, debate, right. you know, and right. and I just I don't know. I just it's just it's just crazy. He's he's definitely not there. Anybody well, can tell he's yeah. not there. Anybody I mean, wants heck, even Hillary Clinton
2: can function better, you know. Yeah, no, but I mean, they covered the same thing up for for Hillary Clinton. I think it was Donna yes. Brazil said they were about to switch her out in 2016. She was so sick. And uh, it's a very easy date to remember, but it was September 11th, 2016, when she flopped mm-hmm. in New York City and they threw her into some kind of modified emergency van. She couldn't even walk. It's incredible. It's incredible that they're, the media is allowing these people to do it. And I've actually talked to people on the left and I'm talking to them like this, like this is an actual factual event. They look at me like i am out of my mind like what are you talking about i had no idea she was sick i'm like how could you not know i mean there's just so much information they just lied 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 about it so um, they're gonna yeah. lie about biden too yeah they will um they I, th- will. I just I th- yeah i think that the similarities between clinton and biden is that they're both swamp dwellers they're both people who know mm-hmm. how the system really works they're both willing to take money through family members that's really the big money laundering scam Whether Biden's taking money through his crack head son, uh, Hunter, or whether Hillary's laundering it through her family, that's what these people do, man. They launder it all through their family. And there's real serious issues about Biden that aren't really funny that nobody wants to bring up. But the fact that his son has investments in China, I mean, they're lucky that the media or the right only focused on what the Bidens were doing in Ukraine and not focusing on what was going on in China about the, yeah. the billions of dollars, these funds that were put together are sizable funds of uh, access to capital in the Chinese National Bank the Bidens have. It's incredible that it's allowed. It's off the charts. It really is. It's crazy. And then there's a lot of shell companies with the Bidens, too, as well, just like there's a lot of shell companies with the Clintons. Oh, so they, they know how to launder money. I mean, it was interesting. Like, I never talked about money laundering, but when I was in D.C. for three years, that conversation would come up all the time, and casual conversation at bars and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I know how to do this. Oh yeah, I know where to put that. It's incredible. Talk a yeah. about Swiss banking. So these guys all know where to put their money.
3: And they know how to, you know, skirt by and shell companies and shell companies and dummies and proxies and, and, and not being able to pay taxes and everything. Right.
2: And I mean, that's the scary part of the system is once they figure out how to take these bribes, then they get their own law lawyers in there. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got people like comey or loretta lynch very friendly to them not asking a lot of questions you know go and the irs going after loris lerner going after conservative people so it you know it works both ways don't get me wrong it worked under bush that way it worked under obama that way so Mm
3: -hmm. yes um so to circle back uh to the west memphis three i've done a lot of studying i I, i've um i've read your book Abomination, by the way, um, excellent book, excellent book on the West Memphis three. Um, and uh, I, I, I listened to, I don't know how, can't, countless hours on the case. Um, and um, I believe myself that Eccles, Miss Kelly and Baldwin are guilty. Um, I went into it not knowing But after, you know, listing both sides, I believe the side that believe that the West Memphis Three is innocent, um, there, it isn't, to me, there's a lot of holes uh, with their beliefs on that. I think it's more of an appeal to emotion, to appeal to logic and facts, which show, uh, you know, um, pretty much beyond a reasonable doubt, in my opinion, that the West Memphis Three were, were guilty um i will say that i wish that there was my only thing about the case per se is the 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 discrepancy and there's something i guess maybe you can answer better on me uh, than this of of very strong smoking gun like physical
0: evidence
3: Right, there, or am I, there, or am I wrong with that?
2: No, because that was that's don't no. you're not wrong at all. No, there's not. There's a lack of physical evidence linking down those three to the crime. I, I don't yes. think that there was really anything right. they found prior to trial. There was a blood-stained necklace that they tested, and it had the and it happened. They found this necklace during the trial, so the trial orders already started. But it had blood that was similar to I think Byers and Eccles on it but it was never entered into evidence because they had already started the trial and they would have had to have stopped and restarted. So that was one thing. So that was something non the trial. But if you look at the trial, it was actually not a very strong uh, case against the three. I think they had a confession of Ms. Kelly. Yes. Um, They had uh, really, they had no alibi. Jason didn't have an alibi. Eccles collapsed on the stand under questioning because he had information. He knew, I mean, basically price, worked out of him that he had information that he couldn't have heard of from newspapers. So there's real, there were real problems with them on stand, but I think it was a risk to take them to court, but um, they had enough evidence to arrest them and it went through the appellate process. So uh, that guilty plea stuck. And really they're actually kind of a unique or very rare within the legal system is that they were found guilty, all three of them in 1994. And then they pled guilty in August, 2011 actually been about nine years since they got out of jail but their alfred plea is another guilty plea a first degree murder um and they said in their which they signed with the best lawyers available not court appointed attorneys but the best lawyers that they could find that uh, there was enough evidence to convict them that was something they had to admit to so yeah. uh, those guilty pleas are still there and they haven't really done anything since they've been out of jail to overturn there's been a bunch of innuendo rumors phony narratives about um, stepfathers, which have changed. I mean, if people really follow the case and really bore into uh, what's happened, they, the West Memphis Three blamed John Mark Byers, who just passed mm-hmm. away, actually, mm-hmm. in a car mm-hmm. crash and died. And then they flipped to uh, Terry Hobbs, which yes. is, should tell you something. If you're a thinking person who can make conclusions, you could come to the conclusion that they're just trying to blame somebody else if they move from one person to another. I think that would be fair.
0: So there's real yes. no problems
2: right there. So, but I mean the actual court case, the juries all were unanimous, right? So two separate juries, they had to bifurcate the cases because there was evidence that was going to be tried used from Miss Kelly against Baldwin and Eccles. So they had to have two different trials, but all 24 of those people had a unanimous jury. There was no deadlock and they looked at all the evidence. Really, I think the most compelling thing of the kids who were at that softball field yep. and said, they said they did it. I saw him say he did it. And then there was another family who saw Eccles by the crime scene. Now, I think that because of the deliberate obfuscation, the deception, the lies that have happened to the in the public sphere since 1994, that these simple events or these testimony that were put in trial are, are not emphasized. So I think that that's really one of the, remarkable aspects of the West Memphis three cases that was mostly really tried in the court of public opinion and not in court. And that's why people have false conclusions. And that's why they have ridiculous positions, kind of like uh, these turtles caused the problem caused the uh, injuries, which is not possible or plausible. It's actually a joke. I wrote in my book, it was a joke, but you have like thinking adult people believing that story, which is a total freaking joke because the reason it's a joke is because buyers bled out, uh, be- he died there, which means that a turtle would have had to have been involved in the commission of a crime. So it would have been some three guys plus a turtle or four guys or whatever. Right.
1: Right. Yes. Um, so. a couple of questions real quick. Uh, did Eccles, uh, spend 13 million to get the uh, library of Peter Jackson?
3: No, did Peter, did Peter Jackson give Damien Eccles 13 million for his library? Steve Outram asked that question.
2: I don't know. I'm not familiar with that at all. But Eccles did have a library. He was a member of the OTO when he was in jail. That's confirmed in the OTO documents, and it, they they have their own named library at the Arkansas Oasis of the OTO. That's named after Damien Eccles because of all the donations. So people were sending him books, and then also. He had tons of other books in a storage locker, which he gave up. He and his wife just didn't pay it. And it went out to auction and actually talked to the guy who bought it. And he mm-hmm. had all kinds of occult books in there and writings and pornography and all kinds of crazy stuff he was telling me about. But uh, in there, yeah, he, yeah, he had one. It's, it's
1: this is how you and I actually kind of met was because of this case and me watching your podcast and then doing the interview we did many years ago about on and Easier, stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know, have you been keeping up with Johnny Depp's information with his court case over in England?
2: I have. I mean, I think that there's very uh, fascinating tie-ins that uh, are pretty remarkable about him and, you know, the crazy stuff he was up to and things like that kind of tie-in. But Depp was, for people who don't know, Depp was one of the big supporters of West Memphis Street. So, um, and then there's pictures of them together. They both have matching tattoos, two or three matching tattoos, but, uh, right. yeah. What did you think, Lee? Did you see something that kind of tied into West Memphis three that kind of made you sit up? No, I a just chair? think the case
1: that the girlfriend and him and all the pictures that have come out in the last couple of weeks, cause the case actually being tried now is just to me, like I says you turned me on to Marilyn Manson, Depp and the West yep. Memphis three stuff. Yep. And like I said, I know that a lot of people are really into the esoteric Hollywood predictive programming stuff that do come out of these people that do work in these occult groups within the movie industry. So I just, I keep up with it as much as I can possibly keep up with these days, but it just seems that a lot more is coming out quicker than people can keep up with nowadays.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. But if you go back and look at Depp's kind of all the films that he's been in, they're pretty remarkable, whether it's Ninth Gate, From Hell. Um, dark shadows—they're all kind of a cult oriented, and there's little pieces of information that are interspersed through his um, stuff. Like from hell, he's basically kind of like a witch. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's incredible. That's, you got to see. I like so that's a cult theme, right? So that Jack the Ripper was actually—you uh, com- know—those murders were killed by a Masonic group,
1: right? And um, there's zero the Zodiac killer stuff that I we've talked about many times, and how all this stuff does connect. Now it seems. Like I said, it's with uh, the Joker movie coming out with uh, all right, Joaquin right. Phoenix. All right. And like I said, it's in that's with uh, Weinstein with... Uh, what's her name that shaved her head recently?
3: Rose McGowan. Oh, McGowan.
1: Right. And all this stuff with uh, Alyssa Milano and them. Like I said, they're beefing online right now about politics, and it seems like... I keep saying to people there's an October... This is a part of this October surprise, the ramping up, these riots, all of it. And it's just weird to me how we've been talking about this stuff for many years and it seems to be coming back around now again. Sure seems like it. Yeah, I would agree.
3: Um, did you know, William, I'm pretty sure you knew that uh, Marilyn Manson, Johnny Depp, Hunter S. Thompson, uh, they all like hung out at like this uh, uh, like uh, mansion um, and, and Marilyn Manson's, uh, who was he married to?
2: Uh, her name was oh gosh, I I not I wanna say Rachel Wood, but holding look. Fawn Fawn something. Dita Vonteese. Dita Von Teese, yeah, I think that was her name, yeah.
3: It wasn't who was who was it was her. It must have been who he was dating. I think he was dating Rachel Evan Wood, if I remember. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh yeah, Evan Rachel Wood, that's it. So it was Evan Rachel Wood, um, Johnny Depp, Marilyn Manson, and Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, meet up at this mansion and stayed there for like a weekend and it's just really biz- it's, I guess it's not bizarre if you really see these people and who they surround themselves with of them being all together all in the same place because Hunter S. Thompson was in, in, implicated uh, by Russell uh, T. Nelson in the Franklin scandal for shooting the, the snuff films that were going on Right. Um, so having all of them together um, I'll have to find that article But it's just a very interesting read
2: Well the connections um, between Depp and Hunter S. Thompson are confirmed right? So those are all well yes. known And the, the kind of bromance Between Manson and Depp Is real, they were in the same band They played music together So they're definitely in this, the, this Kind of very close circle Of associates So there's pictures of Eccles with Manson, Depp a lot of people, actually a couple guys from Manson's band. So, um, but it's interesting. I include in my, when when Manson married Dita Von Teese, they asked to uh, oversee the, mar- the marriage. It was Alejandro Jodorowsky, who I covered in Children of the Beast. And he was a huge underground filmmaker, very much involved in alchemy, Crowley, blood drinking, all kinds of crazy stuff. He was actually, yeah, he actually dressed up as the alchemist. That was the title of his character. Wow. Yeah, that was the title of his character in the film. So it just shows how knowledgeable these guys are about the kind of uh, countercultural slash occult milieu.
3: Yeah, they're always connected like that. Um, As far as all the West Memphis Three... um, do you think that it, that Miss Kelly may have been the only one that showed any monocle of a monicum of uh, re- remorse? I think so. Or regret?
2: I think the most. I mean, I think that a lot of people don't know is that he made post conviction confessions, taped audio post conviction confessions, where he said he wanted something doing it. And there's kind of like titles about them. One is like the on hand on my Bible confession. The other is against the advice of my attorney confession, where his attorney's saying. Don't say anything. This is against your interest. You're going to sabotage your appeal. Keep your mouth shut. He says, I want something done about it. So, and he basically goes through the same arc. Nobody can really repeat a story verbatim unless you have a kind of a photographic memory. But he still repeats the gist of what he said when he confessed um, in 1993. So he does that in 1994. So I do think that he was the most regretful and he kind of lives since he got out of jail in 2011. I think he got busted for DUI um, but he's kept a very very low profile so and the other two really have not kept a low profile
0: Jason Baldwin is
2: in the Innocence Project Mm kind of venue you know all these things having to do with people who are wrongfully convicted and Echols of course is writing books on the occult writing in his journal on the occult taking pictures all over social media and uh, really not uh, but Not really uh, keeping a low profile at all. So.
3: And it it was uh, evidence that's been released, and of course you've talked about it too, that um, uh, Eccles did join the OTO, correct?
2: There is an OTO writing from the OTO in Arkansas. And his number when he was in death row was 931. So you can look up at Damien Eccles. Inmate 931, and it talks about how he had a minister from the OTO in jail and about his library and how he defined himself and talked to himself in a very Crowley-specific term, which is thelemite. And thelemite is, Thelima is the Greek word for will. So Crowley was kind of a dilettante as far as his languages went, but he liked to kind of give himself kind of a little gravitas by Using Greek terms, so agape and philema were two terms that were interspersed through his his religion.
3: Yeah, um, I guess we can transition now to Aleister Crowley. Um, I myself, uh, like you, uh, believe that Aleister Crowley um, he was a, he was an occultist. Um, I believe, uh, I guess, if you're looking at through, you know, my Christian worldview and yours too, William, that he was a Satanist. Um and you know, he, he gave a lot to the modern day New Age movement, uh of, of what it's become. Um, now I would argue and you might disagree with me on this, however, uh, that the correspondent between Alistair Crowley and uh L. Ron Hubbard and uh Alan Parsons uh, when it Jack, came Jack to Parsons. the I'm um, Jack Parsons, I say Alan Parsons? Huh. Alan that's Parsons project what I was thinking about <laughs> Yeah. Um uh the 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 um the whole Babylon working incident that they right. were working towards and Crowley was like, well, what are you guys doing? You know, like, uh, do you think it was a bit of jealousy between his part, uh Crowley's part about that? Or do you think that he was warning them? Like, why do you think that he would, you know, write against them doing that? I think uh, that he was, was always that...
2: trying to maintain authority. I think mm-hmm. that, that he was saw himself as the head of the OTL and he didn't want anything. And there were always, There was another guy whose name I can't remember, but they always tried to add on to the book of the law. And even Jack Parsons (laughs) did. He called it the book of the beast. It was supposed to be a fourth part to the three part book of the law. And so these guys were always trying to kind of uh, surf off of Crowley's wave, so to speak. And Parsons was like that. So I could see him uh, you know, saying, what's going on? What are these louts doing? I think he said something like that. I can't remember verbatim what he stated, but he also said that Jack Parsons was the most important person in the OTO after him. So mm-hmm. um, he wasn't fully dismissive dismissive of Parsons, but I think really what Parsons and Hubbard were trying to do in the Mojave desert, they would drive out into the desert to do this ritual this working really over a span of, you know, I think a week or 10 days, but they were trying to, really changed the culture in trying to release this kind of magical current and that was the kind mm-hmm. of spirit of babylon so that, you know they spelled it uh with this kind of cabalistic meaning b-a-b-a-l-o-n not like the city of babylon is spelled in english
3: yeah, that that that's that's interesting. Um, some could say that maybe they
2: succeeded. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it right, so was Parsons that... Parsons blew himself up in nineteen fifty one, but I think that they were doing the ritual in forty seven, and then Hubbard started science, Dianetics in forty eight, Scientology in nineteen fifty. Right. So, and you, if you look through what his Hubbard's son said about Hubbard, is that he was using Crowley's systems as mm-hmm. a kind of skeleton as a framework to. Uh, build his kind of new religion on, so um, you can see that th- this is right after the Babylon working. It's almost a
3: continuation, in a lot yeah, of Continuum,
2: ways. I would say so for sure. Um,
3: yeah, I mean it's it's very it's it's it's, it's, it's true, uh, and a lot of people. You, I, I guess another question. Um, I guess looking for more through a Christian uh, lens, um, is people like Parsons. Uh, who has that scientism, that scientific background, okay? And then also dabbling in the occult and making great strides in rocketry.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Um, do you see a lot of paral- parallels even today with the transhumanist uh, movement of kind of mixing together technology and magic?
2: Yeah, I definitely do. I think that there's in some of these, can't say them all, but I think that they're trying to put their imprint upon uh creation so to speak to tinker with it, kind of like a frankenstein's monster so i think they're all trying to shape it to their will and i think that parsons was part of that was one of those types Mm -hmm. so um as far as some of these other you don't really know who else of these other scientists or people are really hardcore occultists but um, i suspect some of them probably are
3: yeah. A lot of them were hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein and had no qualms about taking his
2: money. <laughs> no, not <laughs> at know? all. But if you look at these guys, whether it's Krauss or Pinker, they're all kind of evolutionary biologists with a transhumanist or futuristic view. And it's weird. Like Joe Rogan has had all these people who are associated or are in Epstein's scientific circle on his show. So he's interviewed Krauss and Pinker and all these people Um Yeah, so that was a huge cover-up in regards to Epstein. And people are, I mean, clearly if they're not mentioning it, they're covering up. I would say Rogan is probably covering it up by not mentioning something that's important to the public and still important, really.
3: Yeah, I I agree. And I think a lot of futurism, at least in the modern standpoint, has a lot to do with the World Future Society, um, which was started uh, by Edward Cornish, uh, Marion Petty from the Finder's Cult, and Barbara Marks Hubbard.
2: Wow, that's um, incredible.
3: I didn't know that. Yeah, I have the information. It's going to be in my book. Um, but, uh, of course, you had uh, Ben Gertzel, uh, who yes. was the visionary behind Sophia the Robot. And, of course, he proudly puts up that he was giving a $100,000 grant uh, from the Jeffrey Epstein Foundation right. to fund that. Uh, he was a, a member, too, in the World Future Society as well, along with Gene Roddenberry, uh, Ray Kurzweil, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, um they're all there. Ray Bradbury, um, just Leonard Nimoy, um, just so so many, so many people that That's have been incredible. in that future society. Um, and, and Mar- Barbara that- Marks Hus- Hubbard was
2: a monster, man. Yes. She was really a new ager. She was willing to kill to get, you know, the new world order going. I don't even know if she's still alive. But I think she spoke at the 1980, um, one of the conventions, right? Yes. Isn't the 19- famous?
3: I think it's a 1984 one, I think, where yeah. she was vice president, if I remember.
2: Yeah, I mean, she she was definitely networked. It's incredible. I think that speech is still available. But I mean, I've, she, and also she was a huge fan of Robert Anton Wilson. Like, you just mm-hmm. see these uh, connections that are incredible.
3: Yes, she passed away. Barbara Marx Hubbard did in 2019. Um, oh, wow. her, her father, uh, Louis uh, Marx, uh, owned a uh, famous uh, toy company. Mm. Um, and uh, he's got connections to Bush Senior. Um, and I'm going to write about that uh, when I'm talking about her. But uh, she, um, uh, Marcus Hubbard, she actually in her youth went to the Dalton School. Of course, you know, William wow. uh, Pelham bars Barr's father, Donald Barr, mm-hmm. uh, would be the headmaster of that school. And he may or may not have hired Epstein. It's like right on the cusp of the right. month. You know, he gets it it's how he may or may not of course his book space relations uh uh donald Barr's book um it's it's a lot it's about pretty much about us literally about sex slaves in space like robert david Steele saying sex slaves on mars like literally that's what it's about is brownstone operations and sex slaves on space with underage uh kids so it's interesting Incredible. that donald Barr wrote that book you
2: know? well that's the scary thing about epstein is like people are saying oh man this guy is uh He's a Mossad agent, but he could have been a CIA agent as well. I mean, he could have probably been funneling information to all kinds of people. We'll never know. That may be really how we got it start through Dalton, right?
0: Because
2: yes. I, th- I think that uh, the, uh, Barr's dad was Intel, right? I think Barr was yes. too. I think Barr was an attorney for one of the Intel agents. Well, Barr is
3: actually a member of the Central Intelligence Agency. Oh, right. Okay.
2: So there you go. Um,
3: Yes. And I mean, there's many things that Barr covered up, you know, Franklin with Dick Thornburg when he was right. assistant attorney general and the promise software, uh, when he said there would need to be no grand jury for Danny Casalero right. and the octopus, wow. right. uh, Ruby Ridge, where he defended Lon Hirochi, the sniper who killed Vicki Weaver uh, while she was holding her child and said uh, that uh, if a sniper is hold liable for such actions there'll be, and there'll never be any police snipers again. Um, wow, bar is a disgusting that's human incredible. being, in my
2: opinion. That's so. incredible. I wasn't aware of a lot of that stuff. I'm not surprised at all. Casolaro was clearly murdered. Yes. That yes. was kind of one of the early conspiracy cases. I don't know what the hell he was doing, and doing that research and hanging out in like a lonely, off the freeway motel or something like that. Like, come on, guys. But I guess, you know, that's that's just a shame. I remember reading about his story in Spy Magazine. Which is like one of the pre-internet magazines that you could actually publish, kind of uh, parapolitical tracts. But that was one of the, one of those actually. Yeah. You know,
3: you know, uh, William Barr uh, before he wor- before he was made Attorney General um, for um, United States of America before the Trump uh, nominated him. Of course, he became Attorney General. Um, he was working for Kirkland and Ellis, right? So I also actually did a video on all this. I'll send it to you. Yeah, please do. I'd love to look it. through that. Yeah, um, no,
2: I'm not surprised. It's just such, such a it's such a disappointment to hear all those things. You know,
3: um, Steve Outram in the chat asked anything about Tracy Twyman.
2: You know, I don't know. He, I think actually it was him who sent me stuff about her, but I, I really didn't have that much of a of a personal contact with her. She, she had we had been on a show with her. Um, and somebody else, it uh, was uh, Sean Alger, I think is his name. I can't remember yes. the title of the show. S.B. Alger. Yeah, S.B. Alger. thanks. And we just chatted and, you know, she had some information, but I never really, I knew that she was around. I'd heard her, she'd written a book about Baphomet or something like that, but I really didn't, I didn't feel like I had that much of a contact with her. So I, I don't really know what the whole story was. I heard there was something really suspicious about her when she passed away, but. I really don't know. I, mean, I really haven't followed it. I haven't really looked into it, to be honest with you. I don't know.
3: Um, yeah, I uh, I talked to Tracy Twyman, um, by through email um, when uh, some of the incidents were taking place uh, before she supposedly uh, started becoming uh, cyber stalked. Um, I'll talk about it one day. Not ready to talk about it yet.
2: So, um, yeah, information, but it seems odd too. I think she had a young child. Yes, she See did. Which, um, uh, rest it, in peace, Tracy Twine Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tragedy. Uh, yeah.
3: But I have some information. I wish I uh, would have gotten to talk to her more. It was only uh, one email when everything went down. But I think
2: um, she, wasn't she? Didn't she have a boyfriend or a husband who was in like one of uh, the Church of Satan or something like that? Bryce, what was his name?
1: He was in the Left Hand Path stuff. Yeah, they both. Yeah. Were yeah. From- I'm very into the occult. When she started looking into the QAnon phenomenon stuff, is when things got really squirrely for her. And unfortunately, this stuff is being perpetuated out now today through other people. But, um, like I says, that's where I'm trying to get some of these people with Phoenix Enigma and uh, that crap over there to get cleared up because there's too many people arguing over it right now.
2: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I I, I got to tell you, man. Being kind of in the alternate media, it's uh, it's definitely perilous. In a lot of ways, you know? it's not just physically perilous, but it's like psychologically, spiritually. So, you know, it's a tragedy to see somebody, you know, mother, kind of not make it. However, however, what happened? Correct. I think she was yeah. in Oregon, right? Wasn't she like in Oregon? Yeah
1: supposedly living at the house with that guy. The guy was the guy who supposedly found her. And if, like I said, there's so many speculative stories about if she was getting hit with energy weapons or being poisoned to make her brain chemistry get depressive more, that that's a deep rabbit hole by itself right now. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm trying to keep up with this myself as much as possible. You know, I'm hoping that Isaac Cappy and her and the families can be left alone because that's where I was seeing the the problem was people were now contacting the grieving family members to ask questions about that stuff and they've been getting harassed basically ever since probably about 18, two years ago when Isaac jumped off the bridge and all this stuff is, you know, with unfortunately the Thomas Schoenberger... Lawsuit now that's being investigated over this stuff, it all does connect together with law cases that are being tried in different states. So Don oh. and I are trying to do our best to keep up with it. glad we're having this discussion tonight because, like I said, I do think there's too many people looking into that left-hand side of this stuff with that occult narrative that they were pushing. And when the Goodman, Robert David Steele, stuff all mixed up with all this other stuff, it's been just a huge mess for a lot of people that are following the narrative, but don't get how much of the narrative is based off of lies and deceit and other people writing a story of satanic ritual abuse and the satanic panic going back to 1970s and eighties. And the different, uh, this is, me. I was looking into MK ultra and Dr. Colin Ross and um, the stuff out of Oklahoma university when all this stuff kind of just melded together into what's going on today. So, yeah, it's really a crazy story to try to explain to people. It's like, no, not what I'm talking about isn't that conspiracy theory stuff. This is real people being affected by it to the point that a Gambino crime lord was killed by a guy in New York. A stripper went up to save mole kids from the Jessica Jessica Prim, yeah. Jessica Prim, and all that stuff just happened around this stuff because people started following people on YouTube that were pushing out this narrative. Like, um, it was Timothy Holmes, Seth Field, McConnell, and Hawkins and all those people.
3: About mole kids and underground mole kids and adrenochrome farm and harvesting and right. No. when you look in when you look at the statistics of how much adrenaline the average person makes and how much is very little actually oxidized into adrenochrome even under stress uh, circumstances most of it's metabolized by catechol transferase and MAOA a enzymes. Um, it, it's it's it, it comes to that big thing about you know them pushing the underground mole kids and. It kind of takes away, William, in my opinion, um, from when you push it to that much of a personification, it takes away from actual brownstone networks and stuff that have been investigated, or even just, you know, child trafficking, human trafficking from a small level, or even molestations, you know, within the family and stuff like that. It it, it doesn't have to be that extreme grand maximum.
1: No, thank you for saying it. You're right. It does take away from the real victims here.
2: Right. I mean, I've come to the conclusion that a lot of these brownstone operations and things like that, they intentionally create a kind of chaff, of, of mm-hmm. kind of like a fake narrative to cover for them. So there's probably one guy out there who's actually part of the operation, may not know the totality of the operation, said putting out fake information or being a kind of a, a conspiratorial honey trap, so to speak, that's really covering for the real operation of really blackmailing people or organ trafficking or human trafficking you know it could be anything like that but i do think that there's definitely uh very dishonest actors out there spreading phony some are unwilling unwitting but Mm -hmm. some i think are very knowledgeable about what they're doing very sophisticated actually some people are true believers, you know, they disbelieve
3: in it and they, they, they spew it out, you know, like regurgitation. Mm-hmm. And some are people who are disinfo agents, you know, that, that definitely know what they're saying is false, but they do it either for, because it's their job, you know, their government quote unquote job, or it's, they get paid for the money, the adoration, the clicks, you know, it could be a combination of any of those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's sad because the truth movement, even though we always had, you know, we all have our fringe topics that you know the three of us like, right? Like I like cryptozoology a lot. My father did. Um, my son, you know, we, we talk about Bigfoot all the time, and we went to a Bigfoot conference uh, a couple of uh, years ago up in at in the Asheville area in the mountains of North Carolina, and uh, and you, say, you know, there's always been fringe topics in conspiracy, but now with the QAnon phenomenon, um, it's kind of like. Grafted into everything, you know, parapolitics—like it's all front and center for people to swallow all this stuff. And yeah, there's some true aspects of it, like everything, but there's a whole bunch of horse crap too that they're given, you know, to the point where like RFK Jr. I mean, I'm not RFK Jr. JFK Jr. um, is 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 still alive, and and he never died, and he's going to replace Pence as vice president, you know, in October. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, you know? yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a Wizard of Oz thing, but if you look at people who I would kind of uh, tag as uh, malefactors within the alternative media, that's what they do is they tell you some truth and then, you know, then you're talking about aliens on Mars or uh, JFK Jr. still alive or, um, you know, Maxwell's living in Israel, or, you know, just all kinds of, Stuff that sounds like speculation, but I think they're definitely intentionally trying to, to plant that seed to to discredit other inquiries. You know.
3: Yeah. Um, let's talk about Epstein for a minute, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do. Um, William, um, a couple of things that I've brought that I that I think is worth bringing up is a lot of people don't haven't discussed, and I do uh, appreciate you know your takes on Epstein and also Roberta Glass. Uh, true Crime Report. I like Roberta a lot. She does actually really good investigative journalism, actually going to the courtrooms, yes. you know, at yeah. the hearings and stuff, which more people need to be doing, by the way. That's actual work, you know? Yeah, agreed. Um, but, and uh, doing
2: long, long-form inquiries as well, not just doing yes. some sound bites on yes. ABC for an hour, you know, one minute, but actually talking about everything. Sorry.
0: With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. Eighteen plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: No, 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 no. you're right. That's I, I want to give. Uh, uh, props to Roberta for doing that. Um, you know, our cover on Nexium's been excellent. Yeah. Um, actually going to uh, the, the, you know, parts of the trial and everything as press. Um, very big props. That's what more of us should be doing. Um, but um, one thing I wanted to mention is is uh, Juan Alisi, uh gave uh, uh um deposition um that uh Robert F uh, Kennedy Jr., uh, who, uh, fights, um, um, he he fights for, uh, vaccine, uh, reform nowadays, um, frequently, frequently, uh, went to, uh, the Epstein mansion so much so that he was able to recognize, uh, because they asked him, like, what celebrities came to, um, the mansions. And, uh, RFK Jr. was one for him to, you know, like he talked about him for like a sentence or two enough to really, you know, they frequently saw him there and very few people ever mentioned that,
2: interesting. you know,
3: and, and that was something that I found quite interesting, uh, because of what status that he has given in
2: the alternative
3: media, you know, um, right. so I didn't know if you had heard that
2: yourself or no, I I'm not familiar with that, but I've heard the same thing about Trump being there in the 1990s that a lot, you know, that this was a revolving door of, uh, well-known figures went to the mansion, so um, yes. I did not know about Robert Kennedy Jr. However, I have heard his predilections are not much different than um, his uncle or his grandfather. So, uh, yes, you know, it's a little mo- more of an adventure maybe than. Uh, another human being but uh, so you could see him kind of cavorting with epstein and probably he probably was blackmailed one way or the other just like i think they were blackmailing everybody It was a huge brownstone operation yes very much so industrial level
3: yeah um what
2: about um what about
3: uh have you heard of the connections between Vadislav gironin and uh his once girlfriend um naomi campbell and they're they're being a little bit higher up, in because you know if we're looking at the the Brownstone operation of Epstein, Epstein was kind of like a lower level guy. He was kind of like your um, kind of like your uh, Lawrence E King if you're looking at the Franklin yes. scandal. Yes, agree. And then you had people above him. Maxwell's above him. Glenn Maxwell's above him. Uh, Lex Wexner's
2: definitely above him. You know, the mega group uh, and- is the 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 real not the brains but the financial yes. backing They actually haven't. Ascertained who the real brains were, Maxwell was probably uh definitely higher than than Epstein, but uh I've got some candidates so uh, have you
3: heard of the Vadislav Doronin?
2: I know of Vadislav Doronin. very wealthy. he has the kind of uh the house that's made in the eye of Horus, right? Is that the same guy mm-hmm, he mm-hmm, built mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Naomi Campbell, and there's pictures of epstein, Maxwell Campbell and Jufre. Slash Virginia Roberts somewhere in France, right? So she was flown out to one of their parties. So I know that 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 connection is real. Yeah,
3: and and also too, Joe Rogan said that he went to an eyes wide shut party at Naomi Campbell's mansion. He actually admitted that to uh, when Dave Chappelle was there. That they actually it was Dave Chappelle that actually invited him. Right? Did he tell some
2: story that they drove up in a Porsche or something to the top hill and it was him? Yeah. Yep.
3: Yep um so i i think that is one part of the nexus that hopefully more information will come out will be the Vladislav Daronin um as a russian oligarch uh naomi campbell connection
2: but here's the thing is like look at how few people who are named in epstein's flight logs or they know look uh, they know they've been to the mansion look at how few people mm-hmm. have actually come forward and spilled the beans it's not that very many very few it's no. all the victims the victims are all telling their story generally or trying to get their story out. Um, I do think that this most recent Netflix thing is actually a limited hangout. Yes, and they actually, yeah. So, and guess, guess who uh, was the producer for that? Who? who? Joe Berlinger. Do you know who Joe Berlinger is? No, I don't. The director of all three of the pseudo documentaries on the West Memphis Three.
3: Oh, you're talking about Paradise Lost.
2: Correct. Wow. Wow. So you just slide him in there, right? Slide him in. Yeah. I want to do a limited hangout on the Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Let's just talk about the victims and how was the sex trafficking op. We'll leave out intel. We'll leave out gun running, murder for hire. We'll leave out uh, organ trafficking. Just talk about these girls who are victims.
3: In the technology, transhumanist components, and everything. Yeah. Leave all the,
2: the high end scientism, the the Santa Fe Foundation, leave all that stuff out. Yeah, I I Here, Here's another it. figure. Sorry to interrupt, but there was another no, go mo- ahead, no, go ahead. There was another thing that Berlinger was involved in. It was a book I think it was titled Crude and it was about a lawsuit. I think it was against Exxon or Conoco or U.S. Standard. It was an oil company in South America and Berlinger was hired by this guy in litigation to create a documentary about how this um this big spill took place. Yes, that's it. So that's Joe are perfect. But the kicker about it is that um Donziger, who was the head of the plaintiff, they found out that he was involved in fix. I can't remember the ac- absolute facts of it, but it seemed like, in my opinion, he was fixing the facts to get a huge settlement in the billions, right? It was going to be a yes. massive settlement. It was a plaintiff settlement. And the judge in the case who was overseeing it said something very wry and really funny. It was a woman. I wish I could remember her name. But she said, you know, this case, we wouldn't have as much clarity in this case were it not for Joe, Joe Burlinger and keeping all of his outtakes from all the wow. stuff that... Per- yeah, no, I- I'll send it to you later. I wish I could have that off me But as somebody who's kind of been in, you know, I've been. I'm a lawyer, but just when you see those kind of things put into these documents, it's kind of like a... Very wry, comedic thing. It, it's not necessary. It's not nece- You know, it's not dry. So, when someone a judge puts that in there, it's kind of funny. And it, yeah,
3: yeah. So. Twenty seven billion dollar legal case against yeah,
2: Chevron. There you go. So, Berlinger is involved in a lot of stuff. My understanding too. He also directed a film that was loosely based on the West Memphis Three. I can't remember the name of it offhand, but he also was most recently involved in the Netflix uh movie that involved um the serial killer. I can't remember, but Netflix really they got terrible responses because it kind of glorif Berlinger kind of glorified um the serial killer whose name I can't remember right now. What's the Pacific I think Contest? I know
3: what I it's on the top of my it was very famous. Yeah. Ah oh, man, I can't remember the name of it now.
2: Yeah, Blair Witch. So Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, was based upon the West Memphis 3 and even has a character uh, that is similar supposedly to Damien Eccles and that was in 2000. So you can see that there on the bottom.
3: Extremely so. Wicked, shockingly Evil and Vile yes, on Ted Bundy.
2: Correct. And it really people were really pissed off about that. And my understanding is that I've talked to people who were in Netflix that that, that was what they considered a big mistake that they actually finance it.
3: Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's He's definitely something definitely to look into. Um, well, there's a
2: lot of, yeah, very sketchy. I mean, if you actually, I think that the real person who really okayed it was the head of HBO documentaries. She was um, very well received by the kind of Hollywood lead, but she was the one who really okayed all three of the Paradise Lost films. In her name. Interesting. I can't remember it right now. I think she's working for Netflix right now, but uh
3: and, and he also did a movie on... Uh, Bulger, um, right? Bulger, yeah. But huh.
2: I think that those, really, those three films that were made were really, in my opinion, the core element that led to the, the, the release of the West Memphis Three and really distorting the case away from, you know. And I think that that's really a danger and it's actually scary that these outside people who aren't involved in the court, aren't lawyers, can get involved and change cases. So you see these Innocence Project, if you see the uh we'll Adnan syed this whole thing, mm-hmm. serial. I mean, and Roberta Glass has done excellent research on it, but it's all just nonsense. It's total garbage that these the public can actually uh try to try a case on their own and come to a different conclusion when you know these people are professionals, the system is set up to. Uh, you know ameliorate any kind of things that aren't facts right that aren't logical so it's 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 kind of this kind of more recent thing that's happened in the last couple decades that uh, these true crime so-called true crime people can get in and actually come to a conclusion that's different than a system that involves allows for appeals and all kinds of stuff
3: yeah it's it's you're right about that um instead of actually trying to get down to to, to actual you know well i mean i think that it, you,
2: yeah even your your title is we've read the documents like these people don't even read the all the documents no, so don't. Yeah, no, so
3: yeah no no i mean i mean that's i mean that's when i went in you know trying to you know figure out about um the west memphis three and i wish we did have you know smoking gun physical evidence you know because it'd be totally case closed then right but just all the, if you take the totality of all the evidence against them um yeah i mean to me i believe that i I believe that beyond a reasonable doubt they're guilty um and and i've seen both sides i've seen evidence being presented you know to try to show that it was john mark byers or or terry hobbs and um it's just it's not it it seems the evidence for for the three are more than anything that you can come up with, with 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 them and you know, here's the
2: kicker: is that they don't have any exonerating evidence. True. Anything they put in trial, the so-called Miss Kelly was at the wrestling gym working out, was transparently false. The fact that Eccles used this whole conversation with women that that they said the women who were they were queried uh, had a directly different story than what Eccles told is a problem, and that Jason Baldwin didn't even have a freaking alibi. So they don't even have anything that could take them away from that case.
3: Yes, very much so. Um, in, in, for, in closing for a few more minutes, um, what do you tell us about, I guess, briefly about your work, you know, investigating the smiley face killers? And um, right. That kind um, of
2: all, yeah, that all kind of drew out of my inquiries into Children of the Beast when I was researching Crowley's yes. uh, influence on the 20th century. So all the these people kept popping up. The one guy's name was Genesis Piorage. Yes. And some of these other characters you'd see or Alan Moore would use this smiley face symbol, particularly in the um, the Watchmen series. That mm-hmm. was, There was a movie made, the comedian. And so I kept seeing the smiley. And I remember re- recalling, listening to, I think it was, I can't remember what radio show it was, but they were talking about the Smiley Face Killers that had this title. So I saw this connection. I was like, oh, let me go back and look at that. And uh, so I started watching stuff and. I kind of found other researchers. The guy who was the head of my kind of research part of my first documentary, Smiley Face Killers, was Jim Smith. And so I kind of met up with him and would start following these cases. And I started watching these people disappear, men disappear and be found in water later. And the first person was a guy by the name of Joey LeBute, who disappeared out of Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I think it was four or five years now. But that was really how it started. Once I saw that, and I, said, and I said, if this guy gets found in water, this is going to be credible." And sure enough, he got found in the Seattle River in Ohio. And that just kind of led me down this long kind of path. And my first document, yeah, there's my stuff. This is, the, you can just see all the cases that I've done. But you see the smiley face here with uh, Brad Pitt. Um, that was my second. So I made two documentaries. One is Smiley Face mm-hmm. Killers. who's abducting, torturing, and murdering college-age men in the US-UK. My second one. Smiley face killers. The global slaughter continues. So, so there's definitely something going on. I think I proved that. Um, who's who are the you know people who are doing it is another story. But uh, you know, I would just watch all these cases. Jim Smith has probably seen 30 or 40 cases. It's unbelievable that the um, law enforcement hasn't picked up on it. But he's seen 34 cases of 30 or 40 cases of people disappearing. And later to be found in water, sometimes two, three weeks later. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's pretty incredible. So it got its name from two guys, Gilbertson and Gannon, who wrote really the most important book about it, very uh, astute forensically and criminologically. And the title of it is Case Studies in Drowning Forensics. But I think their shortcoming is that they really didn't cover the breadth of the cases because they only covered 14. But... There's hundreds and hundreds of cases of these things happening, at least 200, which is probably incredible. So I think it's really, yeah, it's really one of the most important, undiscussed true crime tales ever, in my opinion.
3: Is there a possibility, William, um, that, um, you know, serial killers were really um, in the public conscious? They were being pushed by, you know, media uh, and the world order a lot during the late 1960s. In the se- 1970s, um, and even you can say up up to around like you know 19 early 1990s, and then it kind of just like disappeared. You know, there's still serial killers out there, but they don't report on them really like they used to back in the day. Um, there's actually one nearby where I live in Lumberton, um, where there's been uh, I don't at least more at least three or four girls um, who have been found in garbage cans, dismembered. In Lumberton, North Carolina, actually, a woman who uh, gave um, like uh, her testimony of of, of seeing uh, finding one of the g- girls murdered. Um, uh, she was actually murdered weeks later and put in a garbage can. After that, uh, after yeah. she had uh, been giving um, uh, on t- a testimony to the, to, the, to the local news media, um, and there's just not much about it. Like you know, it's not national news. Um, it's still going on, you know. So it's just interesting, like, with the, so, quote-unquote, satanic panic, uh, McMartin, um, among, you know, other schools like Glendale Monastery School, which I have the documents, you know, James Tower, I believe he was uh, rightfully convicted uh, for uh, child, six cases of child molestation. Of course, you know, there was m- multiple kids that he had molested, more than just six. But, um, you know, the, the, the satanic panic kind of made it so that, like, anybody who... Um, tries to talk about uh, the cases still going on in daycares, for example, you know, like, oh, you just, it's satanic panic, you know? Right, so right. I guess a long way away I'm going to say is, is the serial killers, it's, it's, it's still happening. The molestations um, are in, a, in, in institutional settings are still happening, but they're not talked about anymore because they've been vilified. Do, do do you would you agree with that? You know that anybody tries to talk about these things, um, they're kind of relegated to like, um, kind of like a, a kook status. Yeah, no you question. You know, and, and, well, I, think and,
2: and it, I think they're easily dismissed, as, particularly if people use a loaded term like satanic panic, or something mm-hmm. like that. The FBI itself, the landing report, uh, discounts occult motivations for crime, so therefore they're not happening, which. The exact opposite is the truth, in my opinion. There's incredible crimes being committed uh, with occult kind of motivations. But it is odd that they're not being, these uh, serial killings are not being investigated, or Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like they're catching as many as they used to. Um, And I think that the the Smiley Face Killers is evidence to me that somebody's involved in it incredible serial killing, but it's interesting because I interviewed two guys or two people. Kolarik was one name. McDonough is the other who both talked about these uh, serial killers. One's name was Eiler. The other is Kraft who killed 100 people. And uh, both of those authors independently said that they could not have been committed those crimes alone. Yeah. And so there, there's more than one. There's either two or three or something. But um, McDonough said that Kraft could not have involved because like bodies were thrown out of a moving car and there's no way a guy could drive and do that at the same time. And Kolarik himself said that uh, Kolarik on Eiler, which her book was actually found in Jeffrey Dahmer's uh, apartment, believe it or not. But uh, Eiler was smart enough. He was moving in between jurisdictions. So, you know, these malefactors are out there, whether I just, I think that the really the, at the top, the the law enforcement's been very corrupt. Sadly, mm-hmm. the FBI and all these people have not. I mean, look at Epstein; he was able to operate for twenty five years. Yeah, um, it's in, it's an incredible span with the with thousands of victims, known victims. Like we're in the point like, where, how many more are there that are unknown? We don't know. So it's it's really incredible that these things are happening. And I think that there's a, probably operating serial, serial killers out there to this day.
3: Yeah, I agree, and and that's my concern. Is, is it, it's weird because the serial killers they're not, you know, being investigated or on national news. I mean, heck, Fevell had a serial rapist, and uh, I mean, multiple women. I mean, it was ten easy or more, and that wasn't national news. You know, Feville, what, that that I see, uh, Fevell, North Carolina. There's a oh, known. Uh, we call him the, the Ramsey Street uh, serial rapist. Wow. Um, and it's like known around here, uh, multiple women have come forth and said that they were raped. Uh, and it's something that, you know, if you search the federal observer, our local newspaper, uh, they'll, you know, you'll find information, uh, but it's not national news and it's still, you know, there's still, uh, rapes, uh, that allegedly occur by the serial rapist.
2: Interesting.
3: And it's not national. You think it would be right. But it's not. So, So, i I don't i don't you know so i I don't it's weird because it's like it's almost like everything um became uh mass shootings you know uh you see like the fear of mass shooting or mass shooting incidents um every but but at the same time it's like okay yeah mass shootings are happening now more than ever but serial killers and, and and you know you know brownstone like operations like how many more that we that are operating from epstein that we don't know
2: right you You don't know i mean how many other epsteins are out there two more three more i don't know i mean what did then they got that guy brunel was one of them was the nygaard do you remember yes john brunel nygaard you don't know the totality of um
3: one last question Aiken drum mentioned william um that there's a Hollywood cult of Antonus, A N T I N O U S, and mm-hmm. if there's any connection to them in the Smiley Face Killers,
2: well, that's a great question. I mean, you can kind of get try to ascertain what the motivation is, why these, you know, why people are choosing younger men, and I think that there uh, are probably differing individuals and groups involved in it. But Antonus was kind of the ideal male pedophile. It was, it goes back to, I think it was the Emperor Trajan. It was his lover and Antonis ended up either drowning or being sacrificed in the Nile at a young age. And it was kind of like a preservation of this kind of ideal. And uh, Antonis actually was the, I think it was the avatar for the guy from Pizzagate uh, it was for, uh, so it, it's definitely a known kind of, a parable or story within the gay community or certain parts of the gay community but as far as whether this drowning is involved i think that um in the occult i actually did an interview with Sarsky on my youtube channel it was uh, Smiley face killers in the order of nine angles there's definitely an involvement with water and they're in the occult um so if people want to check that out and watch that I would recommend that, but uh, yeah, it's pretty disturbing that you and you can see some of this stuff even from Kenneth Anger and things. And actually, the West Memphis Three—you know, the two of the boys were drowned. They were actually yes. alive, so yeah, um, something really dark and evil is going on regarding that and water. So, yeah, it's
3: weird. You know, I I don't have a complete answer. Uh, I guess from a cult standpoint, some people say that uh, spirits. You know, and demons can be attracted to water like that and easier to pierce through the the, the or dimensions. I don't know if that's true, but i've just I just have heard, heard you know this discussing of that of reason why those sacrifices or murders may occur by water i I don't know well uh,
2: I've, i my understanding is like it's a it's also kind of a portal the water is, and that's mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons some people do it that sacrifice as a way. And according to different strains within the occult, there's different means by which you, uh, you know, commit that type of murder. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I've, I've just started kind of looking into the order of nine angles as of like two or three weeks ago, but there's some very interesting correlations between that group and uh, these, this phenomenon of the smiley face killers.
3: Yes. Um, Lee, is there anything else that you want to say real quick? William, definitely thank uh, uh, you for coming on. I definitely want to have you on again.
2: Awesome. For sure. well, thanks uh, for having me. Um,
1: uh, is it, anything else you want to ask, Lee, yeah, before, There's a couple of things I want to uh, get across here. Yes. Um, thank you, William, for coming on. That, uh, that video you just talked about was one of your best ones I've ever heard you done. Well, my, it, did, because it made some connections for me with the research me and John have been doing with all this nexium est finders landmark stuff
2: right well it's interesting because uh, they use the term nexium in in the order of nine angles and then nexium it's like almost one or two right. letters off it's very odd sorry and
1: then that's that with the linguistic stuff i was looking into with that synonym cult stuff their conversions here are just interesting and fascinating i did want to know if you uh watched the uh, television show um watchman and what you thought about that well i saw the movie
2: I don't think I've watched the television shows, but I know that it's out there. What did you think? Did you
1: watch it? Oh, I did. It was actually shot here in Tulsa, Oklahoma.
2: Oh, interesting. What were your thoughts about
1: it? Well, the whole opening scene is based off of the Tulsa massacre race riots that happened back in 1921.
2: Interesting.
1: So that, and then with the police being more like a militarized force with them wearing like yellow mask around their faces with this pandemic... Uh, stuff going on I was just like this because it was way before all this stuff started happening even it's just coincidental to me I was kind of hoping you would see some of that and then like I said I, I, would you
2: would you recommend people watch that is it worth watching
1: I do for the historical is okay. what it's based off of the lady won a Grammy uh, the actress the black lady actress that played that cop in there and like I said it's very like I said, it's dark it's very telsa racist kind of it does show the real underbelly of what America could unfortunately what's being shown right now with uh the Antifa Proud Boys, this Oathkeeper three percenter group of people now being on mega mega mega. Right. And uh, Alex says I like to call them the five percent New Abian Nation. That's the stuff with Nick Cannon and Professor Griff and Young Pharaoh and right. all that. So interesting. That's where I'm sitting on there's those two different sides there And it seems like the political ramping up for politics right now is making those two sides even more divided right now, especially with that kid that's speaking at the convention right now, um, being that guy, the the Catholic kid in Washington. Sandman? Sandman? Nick Sandman. And like I said, a lot of people didn't talk about the guy, the Indian that was beating the drum is the same guy from the Skrillex music video. Interesting. And wow. So that's where this stuff, to me, I was like, okay, there's way too many connections here for me not to go, okay, hold on a second. This darker stuff is what people like, and that's why these producers and television make it that way. Right.
2: So, I think that's a good point, yeah. I agree with that.
1: And so, yeah, that's where, like it, says, like it says to me, it's like I got off the TV and the boob tube a couple of years back because it just more fun on watching the reality TV of YouTube come to real life almost recently and yeah, Alex says, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us about all your work. You know, my I, pleasure. Yeah,
2: thank you, thank you for having great.
1: me. Yeah, I says, I appreciate our friendship, and we've been like I says we've had our ups and downs over the years about some of this stuff, but more more ups than downs, I would say. Definitely, like I says, I, me and you in court having that great interview years back, yeah, and then
2: yeah.
1: all this stuff. Like I says, I can't believe this stuff with uh, some of the people that we've talked about in the past coming full circle now. And it's going to be very interesting to see how things do play out over the next six months. This is true. I totally agree with you.
3: Well, definitely. Thank you for coming on, William. I definitely want to have you back on again. And thank Love you to. for your,
2: thank your, your you, your, your,
3: your body of work. I definitely, um, go check out your books, uh, abomination. I need to get actually your Alistair Crowley book, Prophet of the Evil and Children of the Beast, but I, I've read abomination excellent book. Uh, check out your Vimeo. All the links will be in the show notes. Subscribe to William Ramsey investigates. I'm an avid listener. Uh, of your of your uh, Spreaker podcast, um, definitely want to thank you. Um, and I've I, I've been on, I've been on, <laughs> I've been right, on you, know, that's right.
2: you and I have talked <laughs> about the finders, so yes, it's, uh, great to be with you guys. Thanks so much.
3: Thank you, William. All right, everybody, have a good evening.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office